Hello and welcome to another edition of ATL Prime Sports. I'm JJ Jurjevich. Joining me this evening is our fabulous producer, Wayne Ridenauer in Memphis, Tennessee. You can find us all at ATL Prime Sports on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Please like and subscribe if you enjoy the content. You can catch us individually on Twitter or X at JJ Get you One for myself at RWY Junior for Wayne at Quarter Todd for TC Todd Quarter who is out umpiring some games tonight and at LG for Real though who was caught doing some PA for his son's football games throughout the week. <laughs> Everybody wants that voice of the Rome Braves, yeah. and he may join us throughout the show, so just stay tuned. But at LG for real, though, for the fabulous Larry Garner. Wayne, how you doing tonight, buddy? Well, I'm feeling a little bit apprehensive. I didn't feel this way at the beginning of the season, but um, Memphis's next football game is at Missouri. Of course, they're playing in St. Louis. They're not playing in Columbia. But, uh, man, Missouri's uh, looking like something this year instead of uh, – you know, their typical, uh, you know, six and six team. Yeah, Eli Drinkwitz really has a a older team, a mature team, a lot of juniors, a lot of seniors. Kept uh, some of the best recruits in Missouri the last couple of years right there in state. And he's got them right there, a 61-yard walk-off field goal last week to beat number 20-something or 15, excuse me, Kansas State. Uh, so big win for Coach Drink there in Como, as they call it, Columbia, Missouri. Yeah. I'm doing well, not as well as Rams rookie wide receiver Puka Nakua, who broke the NFL record for receptions in a game with 15. The NFL rookie record that is, with uh, 15 receptions in the game last week in a losing effort versus the 49ers on the season. Nakua has 25 receptions, 266 yards, but is yet to find the end zone. I'm doing well, but not that well. That guy is off to a great start, filling in for injured wide receiver Cooper Cup. Fantasy owners, if you haven't already picked him up, go do so. What's on tap for today's show? Are the Crimson Tide and their dynasty over? What is your Braves panic meter going into October? And, of course, our pick six. That's what's on tap. Let's go ahead and have some fun with it. After escaping South Florida with a 17-3 win last week, Alabama fans are worried about the direction of their program. Seems like we've heard this a time or two before, Wayne. Should they be worried? Wayne, I'll start with you, man. I think this will be short and sweet, and uh, I think it should be for everybody, honestly. Well, Alabama fans uh, come in three different types. There's the uh, super fan who only watches uh, Alabama football and doesn't pay attention to any other sports or any other teams. And they are going to love Alabama and believe they can bounce back without a problem. Then there's just the regular fan who watches the entire SEC, watches some other games, kind of keeps her. They may be panicking. And then there's the, the uh, casual fan like myself that, I think it's just another trough and that they'll be on the rise again at some point. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. Yeah, my, my panic panic meter for a Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide is very low. Uh, I think he went down to South Florida knowing he could run the football, get away with an ugly win, 
play some backup quarterbacks to see if they fit well and Simpson and Buckner and see if they fit well with Tommy Reese's offense. Yeah. Hey, and the, think, the weather, the weather didn't come co- cooperate down there either. No, it didn't. It was, it was a downpour for most of the game. Uh, tough to get a grip on the football, but honestly, I, I think the backup quarterbacks were thrown into the fire I think Nick Saban wanted to see what Jalen Milrow would do as a leader role, knowing he could take this game with just simply running the ball with Williams and McClellan. Um, Look, I don't think there should be any worry here. They haven't lost an SEC game yet. We'll see what they do against Ole Miss this weekend. Huge game for Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin and the SEC West shape of things. I'm excited about this one. We'll pick this one in our pick six, but... Pump the brakes, Alabama fans, and pump the brakes, national media, Paul Feinbaum, all these other people who are saying that the dynasty is over. Let's hold off, because it was just a couple years ago where Nick Saban went 10-0 and in the SEC and won the national championship with perfection. So I think the guy can still coach. I think it's a matter of just getting the team less penalties. It seems like it's another penalty against Texas several penalties yet again last year against Texas in a win they had the most penalties under Nick Saban in Alabama in in that tenure so I think it's just fine I think if you go into Tuscaloosa this weekend you play well I think he can get a W and I think the the ship will start to right itself and this team could end at 11-1 and Texas could be unbeaten and it could look like a really good loss going into a college football playoff, a conference championship moving forward. So let's pop the brakes. Alabama still got playmakers all around that team and all up and down each side of the ball. And they still got the old Nick Saban, the old ball coach. So let's pump the brakes on that and we will see moving forward. Wayne, any final thoughts on uh, Alabama and uh, the panic meter over there in Tuscaloosa? No, but I'd like to hear what Larry thinks about the uh, panic meter in Alabama. I see. Well, Larry just joined us. Larry, we're uh, just kicking off the show. We're we're talking about uh, the panic level in Tuscaloosa right now. What are your thoughts? Is the dynasty over and should Alabama fans panic? Welcome to the show, man. Good to hear from you. Likewise. Good to be on, JJ, and, and, and good to see the family all back together again, minus one member of the band. Wayne, good to see you as well and hear from you. Um, as far as the dynasty is concerned, Alabama's still Alabama. And in the words of one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And the only reason that all of this is becoming an item is because very few people have been able to beat the man. And so when they see them st- stumble and, and, and just stagger a little bit, they want to call, you know, the, it's Armageddon, 15 alarm fire, sound the alarm. It, it is not that serious. Let me tell you something. As long as Nick Saban is still on the sideline, it's still as, he, as, as long as he is still getting top five recruiting classes, as long as the athletes up and down that roster are still top-notch, top class, it doesn't take long, as we have all learned in college football, for a team to lose one or lose two, and Alabama's right back in it again. So pump the brakes, stop the nonsense. Ladies and gentlemen, Nick Saban is the GOAT of college football coaches for a reason. Give him time 
to get this group acclimated so that they can mesh well because as we saw in these first couple of games, it's just not a very crisp or disciplined Alabama team yet. That's very untypical or, uh, yeah, that's right. I guess that's the word. It's not typical (laughs) of what a Nick Saban team really looks like. So national media, chill. Uh, Local media who are the SEC fan people of the world, we're going to all think it's all, you know, it's, it's doom and gloom anytime Alabama goes, uh, loses a game and doesn't go undefeated. But long story short, guys, it is okay. Let these people define who they are, and then let's talk again come the first week of December. Yeah. Agreed 100%, Larry. Well said. Look, I kind of pointed out like this. You know, when a teacher makes a mistake, all the students want to point it out and say, ah, ha, ha, you made a mistake. But he doesn't get credit for the other nine or ten problems that he did correctly before that. That's exactly how Alabama is. They may lose one game. They may lose two games, as they did last year. But at the end of the season, there was arguments to be made that they were a top-four team and college football playoff contenders. As Nick Saban and, honestly, every sports book in America, fellas, would say they probably would have been a favorite against everybody minus Georgia in that college football playoff. So yeah, let's pump the brakes. Larry, glad you can make it. And and, and I'll and I'll leave it with this. The Bamba defense is playing elite right now. They're at a 14.7 points per game right now. And I, I think that'll only get better as time goes on. You got great playmakers back there. And I just think Nick Saban is a defensive minded coach and he'll right the ship with Milrow making great plays on his feet. Let's move on, guys. Uh, or if anybody has any final thoughts now that Larry's joined us. Larry, any final thoughts on the Bama dynasty? As long as Saban finds the quarterback that can run his offense the way he likes, once he finds that, look out. And I'll just keep it at that. I agree with you. And again, 100%. Pinned the tail on the donkey there. Uh, the Braves have lost five of six. Let's flip over to Major League Baseball. Again, the Braves have lost five of six. Where's your panic meter heading into October? I'll tee this one off. It's very little. I, I, I think this is a story, a clickbait story, and media, local media, national media does a great job of instilling this. Well, they're not playing good right now. No, they're not. They've lost five of six, as I mentioned. They lost two series in a row. They got swept by the Marlins. But let's face it, the Braves were 9-1 and one going into that Marlins series. They had swept them twice. So I think the Marlins were due to get a little payback, and that's just the way baseball falls. Look, if we remember earlier in the year, the Braves lost 2-3 of three to the worst team in baseball in Oakland. So it's just the way the cookie crumbles in the game of baseball. You're going to fail 7 out of 10 times, and let's face it, they had just popped the champagne in Philadelphia, taking three or four from the division rivals, and you fly down to Miami. I think a champagne hangover is a really good terminology for what's going on right now. They were able to make a comeback in today's game, Wednesday afternoon's game. They tied it up late in the game and lost it in extras, but they are waking up. The bats are starting to wake up, and I think Brian Snicker is starting to manage the team as if it was a playoff series. And I think you'll see that going into this series later in the week. You have the Cubs to end the year, a potential playoff team there. So I really like to see what the uh, Braves do. 
in that last series trying to knock out the Cubs of that postseason play. So I do not think there's any panic at all in that Braves locker room, maybe in the fan base, but folks, pump the brakes there as well. That's kind of the theme of the show today. Pump the brakes. This team's built for the long run, and these last 10 games really don't matter unless you want that number one overall seed for the World Series home field advantage. Well, let's face it, folks, the Braves have been a pretty good road team as well, and I'll leave it with that. Larry, what say you? Larry says if I had to give a panic meter at all, I'd say on a scale from 1 to 10, it's about a 3. If if that with the the clubhouse, I would say uh, – 50,000 with the fans because when the, the caveat of winning is, is when you do it so much, when you see losing, they start panicking, you know, and there is a little bit to be said about how you are playing at the end of the season going into the playoffs. And the prime example is the run that the Phillies had last year on their way to the world series. The one team that I do not want any parts of in the playoffs is this Philadelphia Philly team. For some strange reason, over the last three years, they match just absurdly well with the Braves. And I think as the Braves' bullpen goes, so will the playoff run of the Braves go. It's good to see Chavez back. You know, it's 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 you've got to get those guys to where if you can go without using them at all, it would be great. But because of analytics and 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 stat cast and all of those wonderful features that baseball seems to be judged by now, your starter has to go six, seven innings in order for your bullpen to be able to carry you where they need to carry you. Now, all season long, they've been able to do that. But the good part about it is your offense has still been able to put seven, eight, nine, ten runs just about a game up on just about everybody that they've played against. The beautiful part of that is that's a luxury. You can't lean on that so much in the playoffs because as we've seen several times, Sometimes a game is three to two, four to two, you know, uh, two to one, one to nothing. So things tend to shrink when playoff time rolls around. The beautiful part of it as an Atlanta fan is you've got a manager there that has seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. And as much as as fans want to criticize what he's doing, he knows what he's doing. He's done the job well. And if he gets another World Series ring, you can just about make the argument that he's the best manager the Atlanta Braves have had all time, even with Bobby Cox's, what, 15, 16 division titles in a row? Brian Snicker yeah. will have two World we'll Series in rings. A row there. Bobby, yeah. yeah, and Bobby, Bobby Cox didn't give a one ring. Snicker has the opportunity, if they go well in his playoff run, that he can have two rings. To me, two is always better than one. So, fans... I know we like to be. We're so invested here in the South. We are so invested in our teams. But sometimes our emotional investment can cloud our logical judgment. And don't allow your emotions to cloud what you've seen over almost 162 games this year. The Braves are the best team in baseball for a reason. And if we can get some of these people back, I want to see Kyle Wright get one more good start in to get him back on his his path to get, and I want to see Charlie Morton get back too. I think I need to see him have at least one more decent six, seven inning start where he can strike out about six to 10 people. If we can get that momentum going, then you can be confident enough to walk into the playoff series and the NLDS and be like, okay, we're here. 
We're the champs. Let's do what we got to do to keep our keep our pace going on, and let's get to the World Series again. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. It's good to see Chavez back, pitched an inning earlier today in his return, gave up a hit, but looked pretty good. Soft contact, defense playing really well behind him, and that's that's what you really want to help uh, with this Braves defense. You can do that. You can pitch for contact, let them take care of the rest. Um, I like Kirby Yates and what he's done down the stretch as well. I think he'll be key for this Braves bullpen moving forward. Of course, the bullpen is going to have to be heavily relied on, uh, just like any other series. And I, I think that's a benefit of the Braves. They've had stretches where they're dominant. They've had stretches where they're not. But I think they'll get right, and Snicker will put them in the right place. Wayne, I'll flip the question to your Rangers. Half game out from Houston with 10 to play. You have a Seattle, then you play the Angels, then you play Seattle again who's also a half game back for that division lead. What a crazy time to be an AOS fan. Where do you see your Rangers finishing? And uh, tell, tell us if you're worried. Where's your panic meter for your Rangers? Well, I want to tell you something. First of all, Atlanta Braves fans it should stop worrying. You're already in. Just relax. If you want <laughs> something to worry about, come join myself and the other Rangers fans and trying to sweat out these last 10 games. Um, and I, you know, they're right there on the edge of the wild card too. So, and I, I would hope they would win at least seven of those games that they're playing up coming against uh, Seattle. Then I'd feel better, but who knows if that's going to happen. Anything can happen. It's the game of baseball. Uh, let's move on to our pick six. We'll go ahead. We'll do a little different this week. We'll go with the standings right now. Wayne's just blazing fire right now. Uh, someone get the fire extinguisher and put Wayne out. He is 13-5. and five. He has had two five-and-one weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, TC and I are tied at 10-8 and eight overall. We went 3-3 three and three last week. Again, Wayne 5-1 and one last week. And Larry, just one game behind TC and myself at 500 at 9-9. Nine and nine. He also went 3-3 three and three last week. So, folks, if you're paying attention to the pick six, listen up. We're making you some money on most of these picks here. We're all above 500, and that's pretty good in the expert terms. If you're above 50%, folks, during uh, against these spreads, that's pretty good. That is pretty good stuff to do. Number one, uh, pick six. We pick six football games. Lines and spread are from Monday per Caesar Sportsbook. The first game of the weekend Arguably the biggest story in all of sports right now is the number 19 Colorado Buffs coming in hot at 3-0. At number 10, Oregon in Autzen Stadium up there. 3-0 as well. Oregon's 21-point favorites. Over-under in this one, 71. 3.30 p.m. on ABC. Wayne, we'll let you tee it off, man. You're, you're the leader. You're the top dog. You go first. Well, I, I tell you, they can't keep doing this to me, throwing out these um, spread candy like that, because uh, I'm going to gobble that candy up and take Colorado and the points. Ooh, Colorado and the points. For uh, Nick Saban terminology, uh, the rat poison for the betting spreads is basically what you're saying. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I like Bo Nix, and I think he's capable, but... Um, God, that's such a big spread. That's three touchdowns, and I can't pass that up. Yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough. I think I'm going to shock you all with my picks. Larry, what say you? 
No, Wayne, I'm right there with you, man. I, I, I think this is going to be an absolute shootout if the Colorado defense will allow almost 40-some-odd points to Colorado State. God forbid what they're going to allow that Oregon Duck offense to do. And the thing that Dan Lanning does to do, man, his defense is going to be top-notch. So while I do think Oregon will win the football game, I don't think they'll beat them by three touchdowns. So I'm taking Colorado on the points, too. Boy, Todd is taking Colorado and the points as well. I am leaning towards the Ducks. Here's why. Look, Colorado's got to force some turnovers to beat this Oregon Ducks team because Oregon has yet to turn the ball over this season, which is quite impressive in itself. Yes, they've played some inferior opponents, but still taking care of the football as second stringers and on in some of those blowouts. And then Bo Nix not throwing an interception all season. It's pretty impressive. Colorado's got to do that in order to win the game. And they can. Shiloh Sanders is a ball hawk. He had an important pick six in that Colorado State, that Rocky Mountain showdown last weekend. But, uh, look, I I like Bo Nix, too. I I think this guy is the real deal. When he was at Auburn, I said he was the most fun player to watch because he wasn't the the, the most polished player. Now he's gotten that coaching from Dan Lanning. And he is really slinging the rock around extremely accurate as well. Bo Nix has been uh, 77% completion rate there. Um, the running game for the Ducks has been great as well. 7.2 yards per rush, 11 rushing touchdowns. And here's the biggest key for me in the game. Travis Hunter is out. He will be out after the hit he received last week for Colorado State. It's like losing two players, if you ask me, with the amount of snaps he played on both sides. I'm taking the Ducks to cover. Uh, it's a lot of points, but uh, I, I think Travis Hunter is a huge loss. There's a couple other injuries that are questionable for Colorado as well. Coach Prime's going to face some adversity. I think I could get burned on this one, but I'm taking the Ducks and the points. I'm taking the Bow Show. Let's go. Game number two, number 15, Ole Miss, 3-0 and at number 12, Alabama, who is 2-1. Alabama is a seven-point favorite. The over-under in that one is 57. And by the way, I think the uh, shootout will be a pretty good pretty good remedy for that first game. Uh, over-under again, 57. Alabama, seven-point favorites. That one is on 330 on CBS. The last time this game will be on CBS, which is quite ironic. Wayne, you're the leader. You're teeing this one off yet again. You're doing the whole time until we catch up to you. All right. Well, I'm taking a, a old miss in the points on this one uh, because typically this game's been pretty close the entire time, and I think this is the best chance that uh, Kiffin has to beat Alabama, even though they're playing in Alabama. I will say this though: if if Saban, if they lose this game, Saban may end up in the Black Warrior River. <laughs> Larry, what you got, man? <laughs> oh boy, Wayne, that was classic. I like it. Oh man, um, I I can't I cannot go with it, man. I just Alabama playing Ole Miss at home, man. I I, I just can't see Ole Miss. I can't see him doing it, Wayne. I got to go against you, man. This is the only time you ever hear me say this, but I'm gonna roll tide with this one. I think Alabama wins by ten or more, and the reason being. Is because of all this chatter that's going around. There's going to be bulletin board material for Coach Saban to say, you see what's going on and what people are saying about you? 
and usually when that happens, they come out fighting like mad. So I'm, I'm taking Alabama, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm picking them to cover. Todd is taking the Rebels and the points. He is siding with Wayne on this one. I'm siding with you, Larry. Here's why. I'll tell you. Former Alabama defensive coordinator Pete Golding is now on the other side of the football in this one. He's coaching for the Rebels. Ole Miss has struggled on the ground this season. Quarterback Jackson Dart is their leading rusher. Not all-star running back Judkins. Uh, wide receiver Trey Harris and Judkins are questionable dealing with some injuries. They are, I think, expected to play from my latest reports, but they are dealing with some nagging injuries. The Tides' defense has played well, holding opponents, again, I mentioned at 14.7 points per game. And here's the deal. I think Milrow being named as starter sparks the offense and him and his two leading receivers, Isaiah Bond and Jermaine Burton, they get going early. I think Milrow makes some plays with his feet. I think both quarterbacks are going to be running all over the field Saturday afternoon. I think you will see a combined 150, 200 yards rushing between these quarterbacks because I think that's when both teams are playing the best is when their quarterbacks can make plays on the feet, extend plays, and a lot of coaches anonymously have said last year, Bryce Young covered up a lot of Alabama deficiencies, and I'm with you, Larry. I think Alabama's just heard this for weeks, and then they – put on the bad show on the road against South Al, uh, South Florida. And people were questioning Nick Saban. And when you do that, I think Alabama comes on and puts on a show. Alabama and the Crimson Tide cover in Tuscaloosa Saturday afternoon. Let's go to our third what game. Is it? What, did, what did Todd pick? Todd picked Ole Miss in the points as well. He's, he's really? siding with you. That's weird because he always chooses Alabama. He usually does. But I think he is uh, – Taking the the pill that has been swallowed across America and saying Alabama's dynasty is done, I don't think it's done. I think it gets a little gasoline dumped on the flames this weekend with the big 10-point win. I'm with you, Larry. I think a 10-point win is perfect there. The biggest game of the weekend, arguably, nationwide, number six, Ohio State, 3-0, and traveling to South Bend, Indiana, and the number nine, Notre Dame Fighting Irish. 3-0 as well, Ohio State's to three-and-a-half point favorites. Over-under in this one for some fun is 54, 7.30 p.m. on ABC. Wayne, what you got? No, I'm going with Ohio State uh, to cover on this one uh, because I, I can never trust Notre Dame in these big games. Uh, the question that I have is, uh, is the tunnel going to be big enough for the Ohio State band to come through for the, you know, halftime show? <laughs> Because that tunnel at, at Notre Dame is notoriously small. I don't even think Purdue could bring their big drum in there. No, they couldn't. Anyway. They couldn't. So it, it is notoriously small. They need to uh, – I don't know if that thing can be renovated or not. It's like a historical site. But, uh, yeah, it, it is a small entranceway, and it, and it usually sparks some debate each and every week for bands. Um, I, I'm anxious to see how this game plays out. Larry, what say you? I know many of the fans, the Notre Dame faithful, may be chanting Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. But in the words of Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. No, 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 no. Ohio State is Ohio State. I'm, I'm, I, I, I thoroughly expect them to be in the college football playoff once it's all said and done. I think they're going to be too much, especially on the defensive side, overpowering what Notre Dame has been able to do. This will be Notre Dame's really first legitimate contest that they'll see all season long, 
But I'm I'm with you, Wayne. I'm taking the Buckeyes, and they're going. I think that they're going to win by ten or more as well. So yeah, take the take the Buckeyes and the points and run with it, fellas. You guys got Ohio State covering. That goes for Todd as well. He's taking the Buckeyes and the points, and I'm going to go completely against the grain here. Maybe I catch up to you guys. Maybe I fall back on the wayside here, but Notre Dame's got to win one of these big games sooner or later. I mean, the coin flip's got to go their way sooner or later. This will be Coach Day's first road test this season. Well, Notre Dame went on the road versus a good North Carolina State football team and beat them pretty handily, 45-24. They already got uh, – actually, Notre Dame's 4-0. I, I, I keep forgetting that. They played in the week zero. So they, they've got the extra game of experience right now. I think that's a huge difference in the quarterback position to me. Sam Hartman's much better than McCord. So here we are. Notre Dame is averaging a cool 50 points per game. They've done nothing but take care of business against their opponents. This is their first test, each team's first test. And I'm just, I got to go with Marcus Freeman and Sam Hartman, the transfer from Wake Forest. I just think this team's going to hang on to the football. This could be a sloppy football game. I'll take Notre Dame in those points all day. They're bound to win one of these games. Guys, uh, we're, we're, we're way different on this one this week. Let's flip over to the NFL. Again, uh, Larry, Wayne, TC, all going Ohio State there. I am taking Notre Dame and those points. First NFL game of the weekend. Got the Falcons shirt on. Come on. It's the Falcons 2-0 at the Lions 1-1. Detroit's 3.5-point favorites over-under, and this one's 45.5. Remember, folks, we do go from Monday spreads. 1 p.m. on Fox. Wayne, you taking the Falcons? I have to, man. They, they, they're giving me points on this one, too. And uh, three and a half is, uh, has, has Atlanta uh, won any games by more than three points this year? No. Yeah, the first game, they won by 14. Okay. Well, uh, it just, it seems like they're, they're, either their defense is lacking or their offense is, is really good, but, uh, Three and a half points, I'll take that. So, Falcons. Wayne, I like it. Larry, what say you, buddy? Do the dirty bird. Listen, here, here, this is, here's my analyticals about it. The running game for Detroit is probably one of the only ones that can match up with Atlanta's running game. The combination that, Coach Dan Campbell has made those blue-collar guys, you know, and, and, and their defense, man, with Aiden Hutchinson coming off the edge. We've seen how Desmond Ritter did with the defensive pressure from the, the Panthers. We've seen how he, he was able to overcome some things with the defensive pressure from the Packers. I think the, the key to this football game for Atlanta is going to be the same key as it was last week and that is the man, Bajon Robinson. He is the X factor for this game. I don't want to see Desmond Ritter pass for 20 to 30 times because if it does, it means you're playing from behind. Jared Goff is going to be Jared Goff, but I need my boy Ritter. And I'm going to tell you somebody else I need to see step up, and I wish Coach Smith would use him more, and that's Kyle Pitts. I need to see, I need to see him get targeted more. But nevertheless, I'm taking the Falcons and the points. I think the Falcons are going to win by three. I think it's going to be close. 
I think that, that they're going to go 3-0, and and they're going to start waking up some heads in the national media. I'm with you guys. I, I'm drinking the Falcons Kool-Aid. I, I, I think they're a, uh, they're a top five rushing offense, 170.5 yards a game. So right at almost five yards a clip, four yards a clip, five yards a clip right in there. Uh, I, I think they'll be able to hold on to the football. Beyond Robinson has been all that and a bag of potato chips, 180 yards, averaging over six yards a carry. Uh, it's got got the touchdown and, and uh, look that run against Green Bay last week where he made two or three guys miss. The footwork's incredible. The guy looks in midseason form, and you exactly see why the Falcons went up and got him at eight and had no problem getting the offensive guy over the defensive guy. And I think they're going to use him. I think they're going to use him, and I think they're going to use him effectively. Look, the Lions are giving up over 28 points a game. I think the I think the Falcons will be able to score if they're able to play defense. Which right now, don't blink an eye, fellas. The Falcons have a top 10 defense. <laughs> I don't think I've said that in my Falcon loving life. I, I I don't remember a top 10 defense this early. I know we we got there eventually a couple of years uh, in 16. I think we were right in that that fluctuation 10, 11, 12. But they are a top mm-hmm. eight defense, tied eighth right now, giving up only what 17 a game. So the defense is keeping them in things. They're 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 forcing turnovers, and I think they'll do that. I think Jesse Bates gets another uh, interception, maybe forces another fumble, and I I see Grady Jarrett going off this weekend. I, I think we get some sacks. I think the Falcons get after the quarterback. I think they hold on to the football. They take care of it. It's going to be an ugly win. But I think the Falcons win straight up by another point or two. Give me a last second young way coup field goal. I love <laughs> the confidence that Arthur Smith has in this team, let alone that mustache. But let me tell you what, folks. What he did last week to go for it on fourth down right at the two-minute warning when you had a chance to just take the points and go up? No. He said, I'm going to let my player, my Deion Robinson, get the first down, run another minute off the clock, and look at the fourth quarter in the Falcons uh, so far. They haven't given up a point in the fourth quarter. They've absolutely won the fourth quarter, and they've done it splendidly. Give me the Falcons. Give me the points. I like our picks. Game five, Bills. Um, what did TC Commanders pick? 2-0. What Bills are six-and-a-half-point favorites. Over-under in that one's 44-and-a-half. And Todd did go with the Lions to cover. Of course he's going there. We're all doing the homer pick. But uh, this should be a fun week. We, we, we need to come up with a fun bet. But, yeah, Lions to cover for Todd. The three of us are going with the Falcons and the points. Game five, Bills 1-1, one and one, Commanders 2-0. and oh. Buffalo six-and-a-half-point favorites. Over-under in this one's 45-and-a-hook. 1 o'clock p.m. on C. B.S. Wayne, what say you? Well, I'm going with the uh, Buffalo team uh, for no other reason than I will never, ever, ever pick Washington for anything. I can't stand it. Classic. <laughs> I love it. Larry, what say you, my friend? Oh, man. I can't look. I can go with an, a more, much more in-depth analysis, but the key to this game is always in, in the NFL is quarterback play. And Josh Allen is still Josh Allen, even with the, some of the – I won't necessarily refer to it as boneheaded, but some of the 
the mistakes that he makes being a veteran in this league sometimes just blows your mind. But this time, it's just the talent overload on Buffalo's side compared to what's on Washington's side. I think this game is going to be closer than what people think, but I'm still taking Buffalo to win. I, I just I love what Eric Bieniemy is doing, being the offensive coordinator for the Commanders. I love the the culture that they're building, but they're just not there yet. Give me the Bills. Bills win. I say the Bills win by 14 on this game. Yeah, Todd's taking the Commanders and those points. I am with you, gentlemen. I am going with the Bills to cover, and it's the same reasons you are, Larry. Quarterback play. I think Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator, quarterback coach for Buffalo, really gets on the same page with Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis. And I think they get the tight end Dalton Kincaid going a little bit this weekend. Although I hope they don't because I'm playing against them in fantasy. But I do think they'll get Dalton Kincaid going and the tight ends will get running. Tredavious White versus Terry McLaurin is going to be a great matchup. And I'm with you. I think Sam Howell is going to have to get in a shootout to win this game. And I think he'll throw a pick or two on that side, trying to force it into Scary Terry. And I think Tredavious White has a pick six or something like that there, and and it gets them sparked up and ready to go. I'm taking the Bills to cover. I I, I think it'll be a blowout as well. I think it'll be a two- or three-possession game. Last game of the weekend, Eagles 2-0, Buccaneers surprisingly 2-0, Philadelphia's five-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Over under, and this one's 45 and a hook. Monday night, 7, 15 p.m. on ABC. Wayne, what say you? Well, I was going to check and see if Kenneth Gainwell was going to be more than questionable, but I'm going with the Eagles anyway because uh, I feel like they are not only have a lot of good pieces and they're using them in a really good way, whereas the Buccaneers don't, but the Eagles and their fans have this huge... Super Bowl-sized chip on their shoulder, and I think they're going to play this whole season looking to prove something to everybody. Ooh, I like it. Eagles cover for Wayne. Larry, what you got? Yeah, Wayne, I'm right there with you, man. This this, 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 this Philadelphia defense is playing that not only like they got something to prove, but they, they're playing like they're upset at the world. And I've seen historically what Baker Mayfield is like with an angry defense. And it's not really very good. The, the the one saving grace that Tampa does have is that they also have a pretty good defense as well. If I had to pick the over-under, I would take the under. But I do pick the Philadelphia Eagles to cover this. And Jalen Hurts is going to be Jalen Hurts. And I think he's going to have a phenomenal football game on Monday Night Football. Well, folks, we are way different this week. <laughs> We've been pretty accurate, pretty close on a couple games at least. I'm going with the Bucks. Uh, I got to go with the Bucks at home. I am surprised by Baker Mayfield. We have written him off. We've wrote off the number one overall pick from a uh, handful of years ago. Um, I like I like the Bucks defense. They're right there with Atlanta, giving up uh, about 17 a game, tied for eighth with Atlanta there. And he's taking care of the football. When you take care of the football, you can run the football, you play good defense, you're going to give yourself a shot to win every single football game. I like the Bucks in those points. I think the Eagles win, but by three or four, not by that five and a half. And again, folks, we do go by Monday spreads. So please remember that when you're uh, taking into consideration our picks. But that is our pick six 
Let's move on to our final thought. Wait a second. Who did, who did, who did uh, Todd pick in that? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Todd did take the Eagles to cover as well. So you got three Eagles and one Bucks. Then you have three Bill, uh, three, four, I think, yeah, three Bills. Then uh, TC's got the Commanders. TC's got the Lions. Then three Falcons. So we're, we're all over the place. We're all over the place. We'll see who, uh, who comes out on top. But that is our pick six. Um, I'll kick off the final thought of the evening. People, please stop sending players of any sport at any level death threats. Just stop. Doesn't need to be done. This is coming after reports that Colorado State safety Henry Blackburn became the targets of several death threats from CU and football fans around the country after the, the late hit against Travis Hunter, and it was flagged. Um, but like Coach Prime said, he has forgiven the guy. The young man made a mistake. It's a football game. It's a split-second decision. It was a little late, yes, and unnecessary, but I'm not going to call the player dirty because I, I, I haven't seen enough of him to call him dirty. But the rest of the game, there was no, no, no flags from that young man or else he would have been ejected. So please, the young man made a mistake. Travis Hunter said he forgave him. Coach Prime said he forgave him. No death threats. For anyone on any level, let's calm down and act like civilized human beings because that's someone's son, and that's that's a it's a brother, an uncle, it, it's it's everything. So, folks, let's pump the brakes on those death threats. All right, <laughs> Larry, what's your final thought, buddy? Well said, JJ. On all points, man, it's just a game. Well, well said. My final thought is for one, Justin Fields, son. You are playing football in one of the top five football markets in the country, and you blame your level of play on coaching? Coaching. Not your ability. You're blaming it on coaching. Son, cardinal rule number one, you don't ever say that out loud. I don't care if you're thinking it. You can't ever say that you are representing an entire organization, fam. You can not ever say those words out loud on a podium in a media interview. Say, look, go back to the regular things. Look, we're just all trying to jail. We're trying to figure it out. We're all trying to get some continuity here. We're developing a lot of chemistry. We don't really get to play as many preseason games. So early on, sometimes things don't get worked out. But you can't ever blame the level of play on your coaches. You were asking, asking for problems. Sir, look at yourself in the mirror. Evaluate the talented kid that you are and get it together because you got an entire electric fan base that would love for you to be the player that they thought you were going to be when they drafted you out of Ohio State. Be the best you can be. Quit blaming it on the coaches. And I'm done. <laughs> I like it. Wayne, close us out with your final thought, buddy. Well, Ed, I know there's a lot of folks out there that uh, don't necessarily think that uh, Ritter, Desmond Ritter, is up to the task of uh, – you know, leading the Falcons forward this season into more victories. But uh, take a look at his passer ratings and all of his numbers compared to the other, uh, you know, NFL quarterbacks, and you'll see he's in the uh, upper half, uh, if not in the top third of all the quarterbacks. So it's not as bad as everybody's saying it is. 
Well said on all parts. I want to say congratulations to the Georgia State Panthers, their first 3-0 start in school history. They take on the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers tomorrow night on ESPN at 7.30. Good luck and go Panthers. For Wayne in Memphis, Larry in Adairsville, Todd Quarter in North Atlanta, I'm JJ Jurjevich. If you like the content, please like and subscribe at ATL Prime Sports across the board. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Get you one.